2: Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris.
3: Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. I'm Indica. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, guys. I guess I'm Sativa. <laughs>
3: today, on the, today on the program, we have Andrew D'Angelo. Andrew and his brother are uh, activists. Uh, they are from the Last Prisoner Project, among OTL, so many other things. Right? What are yeah, some I of mean, the names they, of?
0: They basically get guys out of prison and uh, that were in for nonviolent drug offenses, and try to get their records expunged. They try to get laws changed, and they're just like they're fighting individual fights. They're fighting micro fat. Fights and macro fights. Yeah. So they're really inspiring. It's an inspiring organization. And Andrew has some great stories.
3: Yeah. And it's interesting to hear him and his brother both were uh, incarcerated, you know, so they're they're t- talking from the first person as well. So uh, thank you to Andrew and uh, check out the D'Angelo brothers on all social media formats and websites. And there's tons of great info out there. And uh, become a pen pal with an inmate. I'm going to definitely do that after talking about this. And I'll come back to you listeners with some stories from our our letters. But thank you guys for listening. And thanks to Osiris for having us on the network. You can check out all the great podcasts at OsirisPod.com. And come hang with us on Patreon. We're doing a lot of fun stuff over there. Um, patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod. Get your bus pass and uh take off with us that's sativa
0: (laughs) and that's indica
3: (laughs) enjoy the show (laughs) (sighs) this is the first episode with my dojo wall that's right
4: good looks good Thanks, man. Appreciate you, you. Both have your Zoom game up pretty good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like your background. Yeah, I, very I colorful. Think the colors. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, I I got someone to come in and paint it since I'm living in this little room <laughs> these days.
3: I mean, it's kind of a perfect background for. Uh, I have to say, the D'Angelo brothers. Um, you guys both rock some pretty kick-ass hairstyles. Before we get into the cannabis talk, let's talk about the hair.
4: Right. Well, my hair has a mind of its own, and and (laughs) it's kind of it needs a haircut right now. So it's 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 very aroused. (laughs) 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 And of course, my brother's got the well, I don't the Willie Nelson braid. Yeah, uh, totally. Thing going, man. You know, and he's got that. My brother is a. a fashion apasionado, so he has a massive hat and shoe collection.
3: <laughs> nice. Yeah, I envy his hat confidence because some people can pull a hat off, and some just look like a a cop. <laughs> I feel yeah. like no matter there's know, so many man. things. My my list of things I can't pull off like keep getting longer and longer and longer. Like it just gets to a point where it's like, just wear a baseball hat and glasses and just shut up.
4: (laughs) Stop trying to have any style. It's hard when you have glasses to, to, to sport the hat. You know, I've, I've found that that's a little bit challenging with the glasses. So my brother doesn't, is not as visually challenged as I am. (laughs) So uh, he can, he can do it, but he wears his hat just about, I think he, might go to bed with his hat on, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he, he wears it all the time
3: nice man. I'm very jealous of both of your hair very much
4: <laughs> yeah well how
3: did you uh, how did you
0: come to get started in the last prisoner project? Is it through your older brother?
4: um no well, we've been connected to the cannabis prison prisoner community since because we were cannabis prisoners um early in in our careers my brother got busted a couple times i got busted a couple times my my arrests were for small i i i only got busted with small amounts my brother got busted with a huge amount of weed in two thousand and one, and so that really began our journey on prison reform and social justice then when we had our dispensary, Harborside, that we opened in 06 in Oakland, one of the first six licensed dispensaries in the world, we had a program where patients could come in and write letters to prisoners. And in exchange for writing a letter or two to a prisoner, we'd give them a voucher for a free week. Uh, so that, those those journeys and all of our friends got busted over the years and we bailed them out and we would put up money for their legal defense. And So the last Prisoner Project, when we finally exited Harborside, we had some time to start a nonprofit organization that was completely devoted to getting these folks out of prison because it's really kind of disgusting that we have huge multi-billion, hundreds of millions of dollars of cannabis companies being trading in cannabis all over the world right now. And we've got people who are rotting away in prison, mostly people of color, mostly women, mostly immigrants, and mm. we need to get them out. So Last Prisoner Project, our mission is to get every single cannabis prison, not just in the United States. We have grand ambitions as my brother and I always do. We, we wanna get everybody um, out who's in mm. prison on, on earth. We just did a fundraiser in Los Angeles for Dr. G. Dr. G is a Malaysian doctor who might get executed in Malay because he's been giving medicine to sick people, cannabis medicine to sick people. So we just did a fundraiser for him. He's, he's really our first big international constituent. Mm -hmm. And we hope to do a lot more of that, you know, in a country like Mexico, most of the people locked up for weed are poor women. I mean, they're not even dudes because the dudes bribe their way out or whatever, people with money or or the women do the time for the men. Wow. Yeah. So so that they can keep providing for the family or whatever it is, you know, and and these folks, it it shouldn't be too, too hard to get them out once weed is legal in in Mexico. So so that's an, an example of another place. We want to do this work, and it's very difficult work. It's really hard to get somebody out of prison after they've been convicted, even if what they did is no longer a crime. The criminal justice system in this country is pretty effed up, and um, even if you're innocent and you haven't committed the crime, you're hearing all these stories from the Innocent Project of people who were mostly black people, right, who are locked up for decades for something they didn't do. Yeah. And they know they didn't do it. And they know it. And imagine (laughs) you're doing time. You know you didn't do it. It's driving you crazy. The whole world won't listen. Everyone believes you did do it. I don't know how the strength that those men and women have, they, they reach a level of strength that is unimaginable to me. The few times I was locked up just for a week, a few days or a week at a time, I still have PTSD. Yeah, um, I can only imagine experience. My brother was locked up for months at a time when he got busted, and you know we were feverishly trying to get him out. His bail was set at five million dollars or something ridiculous, and and we couldn't get him out. We couldn't afford the bail, and and so eventually we we lowered the bail through a series of briefs and hearings that we had. And my parents mortgaged their house and we, you know, we, we put everything on the line to get them out and fight that case. And and we were very lucky in that case. Uh, and my brother was able to basically walk away from that case with five years of probation. And we were able to move that probation to California. And at that time, California, if you were on probation, but you were a medical patient, you could still consume cannabis that was one of the really Mm. innovative things that california did that um, enabled us to start our dispensary business and the city of oakland was also a pioneering city in in licensing cannabis that was a very risky thing for them to do all the neighbors and all the people in the community mainstream people didn't want that didn't like that but they did it anyway and it was a revolution the The renaissance of cannabis sort of began right there and then and you know the story of harborside is also the story of cbd medicine and yeah you know all kinds of other innovations and first that we were able to pioneer that are now you know standard operating procedure in the industry so so the industry and the people locked up are connected. And the way Last Prisoner Project raises most of our money is from the industry. So me That's and... good yeah. to hear. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, come on, guys. You cannot make all this money without taking care of our prisoners. So so we use. Usually- uh, how's
0: California doing on that? How are they with expunging records and
4: letting um, people out? California has a ways to go on that. Um, we, we... I... I Colorado's done a better job with that. We had a plungement of records in Colorado. California has, it really depends on the jurisdiction and the local people here in California. They have a lot of control. The state is very reluctant to reform at the state level. We've had a very difficult time reforming. The adult use framework in California is terrible. The medical framework was really good. The adult use framework Mm -hmm. is very hard for legacy people like me legacy growers legacy traders to overcome the barriers of entry and get a license to trade cannabis legally in california so about 75 percent of all the cannabis transactions in california are still in the traditional market underground market legacy market whatever you want to call it and that was not the goal of, of legalization our goal was to get everybody in the market and 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 create as level a playing field as we can for everyone yeah. to to sort of compete, and and you know, <laughs> just like the music industry, at, at a certain point the fans and the audience decide the winners, and so that's what I would like to see happen in California. We have a very long way to go, and I'm not sure how it's going to shake out. We 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 failed to reform the adult use framework. What's the framework in New York. On the other hand, is much better. The activists learned from some of the bitter lessons of California. Mm-hmm. Half of all the licenses in New York are supposed to go to social equity folks—folks folks that were mm-hmm. harmed by the war on cannabis. Those folks are really yeah. That's awesome. That's what. That's, that's the way to do uh, it.
3: Where I see the getting out <clears throat> once you're out, where are the employment yeah. opportunities? Like that's what's important. You know? Well, we
4: do that too. Last Prisoner Project does re-entry. So we have a re-entry team, all led by former prisoners that are now in re-entry. And yeah, that's they're fantastic. On our, they're on our payroll now. And, you know, of course, we can't afford to hire as many of them as we would like. But the goal is eventually, three, four, five, maybe more years from now, the entire organization is going to be run by former prisoners, that's my, my hope
3: that and i and i hope that down the road sooner than later that could be a case study for other industries to realize that like maybe having that you know prior conviction doesn't have to be a life sentence even if you're out of the four walls of that cell
4: yeah i okay. couldn't agree with you more it, it, you, that ball and chain of a felony conviction around people's ankles for cannabis you can't get apartment you can't get a job you can't um, go back to school you can't get a student loan you can't can't go on public assistance oftentimes and it depends what state you live in of course but but it's really draconian Mm -hmm. and it it's counter to the american value of second chances that is something that is an american value Mm -hmm. Uh, but unfortunately it, it applies to the privileged classes a lot more than it applies to all the rest of us and 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 that's something we absolutely need to change and last prisoner project we one of the programs we're trying to fund maybe somebody out there listening can fund it it's going to cost a few million dollars but we want to create an educational institute or platform so that when people come out of prison they immediately go to school to learn how to get good jobs in the cannabis industry or to just rebuild their skill set your skill set gets destroyed in prison (laughs) i mean you're trying to survive every day in prison you're not developing your leadership skills you're not developing your writing or your speaking or your thought leadership or or just how to do good customer service or how to manage people none of those skills are being taught in prisons right And, and 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 they should be of course right because Otherwise, they're just going to end up back in prison. If Mm. if the only way you can make a living is to commit a crime, you're going to commit a crime. You have to make a living. (laughs) Right. Um, So so this is so that's what we hope to eventually build. Our organization is only two years old. So we we have a lot of programs. We still um, are working on funding. But I would love and even if our organization doesn't pull that off, somebody else pulls it off. It's fine. You know, as long as it gets done. Uh, because, it and, and like you said, we, we hope to be a model for other industries. There's no reason why Amazon can't have a training program for former prisoners. I mean, come My on, God, man. Can You're you imagine? At, you know, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and so maybe if we do it down here in the cannabis world where we don't have nearly the resources or the reach of mainstream corporate America, maybe we can serve as a model for them. It's really, that's part of my brother Steve's message right now is it's not just about creating a new industry. We have to create a new kind of industry. If we just create the cannabis industry, like the alcohol and tobacco and oil and all these other industries that just extract, 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 then we failed in my mind. At least mm-hmm. I, I will feel like my life's work um, Fell a little short, right? And so, so this is this is you know the the moral imperative yeah. that um, yeah. that legalization presents as an opportunity for us.
3: Do you, oh go ahead. No, I just want to ask: Do you feel that like as legalization federally gets more and more widespread, and corporations start to see where the money can be made, and all of that? Do you feel like that's almost a double-edged sword like are we at a good point right now where we can wearily walk into the future and kind of make sure we don't like you know we see what happens with pharmaceutical companies and all of that with the greed yeah. i mean how does cannabis not turn into the next you know pack of uh you know camel
4: or something well it's a very good question it's a hard question i wrote about this in forbes a couple few weeks ago my piece was called the stoners and the suits <laughs> building bridges or endless conflict. And right now we're, we're headed for endless conflict if we don't get it together. And, you know, it's a war of mutually assured destruction is what I, I said in the piece. The stoners are not going to stop growing and selling weed. They're just not. And they'll do it underground. They'll do it without a license. And then the people with licenses, big corporations, they'll say, hey, you're collecting all this tax money from us you need to fund enforcement against these stoners. And then all of a sudden, we're going to have the war on the stoners again, this time funded by legalization. And that will end badly for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, it's not a level playing field. So stoners can't get licenses, and we can't get into the industry, and we can't compete. And this is, this is a problem not just for us. The, the suits like it because they build a moat around their business and they think that that's a good way to stymie competition. Well, that's just un-American. <laughs> we don't build moats in this country, or at least I guess maybe we have in the last 20 years. But, but oh yes, we do. <laughs> the idea is, but that's not the, that's not what I was taught in school. I was taught that that it's a level playing field. It's a free market, and that, that those with the best mousetrap win. And that's just not the case not in cannabis not in anything probably right now maybe not even in music you know and 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 so definitely not music. right so so the corporate takeover of all of this is something that's not that we're not just struggling with in cannabis and again it goes back to what do we want our moral value system to be number one and number two we can't keep growing capitalism without destroying humanity and the earth (laughs) and the life system on the earth that supports humanity we simply cannot do it we have to figure out some kind of post-growth capitalism i'm not a socialist i sell weed um (laughs) you you play music you get paid for that you sell records we like that
0: all the time yeah
4: Yeah. um so i'm not a socialist all this bs about progressive people being socialists it's just big one finger salute to that argument because it's wrong <laughs> yeah not um, all of we, us but we like fairness our value system is we have some fairness you know and that we we're able to create and 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 let allow that talent and that creativity to to live in the world in an equal way equal playing field and and let folks decide what, 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 what's good and what they want to consume and what they don't. And, and so that's, I think that's the journey that not only the cannabis industry is on, but gosh, maybe America and much of the world is on. Definitely
0: America. It's just funny. Like we're having to wrestle with antitrust stuff in cannabis before the people are even let out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the that's form of capitalism we got going. <laughs> I know. And then Amazon buys
4: MGM Studios. $8 billion it, like,
3: or whatever it was.
4: Yeah, right? and there's no antitrust whisper. There's not even a whisper yeah. of yeah. antitrust. And the, this guy owns the Washington Post. He owns yep. MGM Studios. He owns Whole Foods. He owns Amazon. I mean, when is the antitrust law going to be enforced on this guy?
0: Well, we'll be waiting a long time for, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. I mean, you know, you guys have been dealing with this a long time. You know, what were your feelings about Biden, the architect of, you know, so much of the so many people's lives that were... Just the whole drug war madness, you know, mandatory minimums and all that. How do you think he's doing now?
4: Well, I was really skeptical skeptical about Biden for the the reasons you just mentioned. And he was terrible in our community. And I'm a, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your point of view, I'm a one-issue voter. So whoever's yeah. best on cannabis is who I vote for. And it really doesn't matter what party they're in. I, I don't yeah. care. I really don't care. Yeah. And, and so I, I voted third party a lot in my life, but, but yeah. this particular yeah. election, I just thought I had to pull the lever for Biden Harris just because we were in this existential, crisis, I did too. Yeah. you know, with, 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 with fascism, and, and, you know, rising and, and racism mm-hmm. in particular, just scary. Right. So, so I felt like I had to do that, but it was reluctant, you know, all my life. I, my first vote, I think was 1986. No, yes, 80, 86 was the first time I was el- eligible to vote. It was an off year election. And, um, and I remember it very, very clearly uh, because you know you feel empowered because because you're voting and but it was i oh i it was the 1980s everybody running for office sucked (laughs) didn't matter if they were democrat or republican they were all way more conservative than me i mean way more
0: and yeah the bipartisan drug war was in
4: full swing by the yeah lock them up and yeah no full swing
0: and three strikes you're out all the
4: all they, oh yeah. And three strikes are out. is still happening. And then people are locked up for cannabis for their third strike. There's a guy in Louisiana right now who's, who's life in prison for a few grams of weed because it was his third strike. <gasps> life. Um, and, and, and so, life. so yeah, I mean, it, 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 it you know, we have, so, we have to struggle and we have to demand and we're going to win some and we're going to, so, we're probably going to so, lose a lot, you know?
0: How do you think they're doing in light of the harm that they've caused
4: How do you think they're doing
0: on on reversing that, repairing some of that?
4: Well, I think there's a lot of pressure on Biden and Harris from the cannabis reform community. And I think that pressure is very useful. Uh, I also think that the Democratic Party very slowly is starting to form a little bit of unity around the issue. You've got Chuck Schumer advancing legalization. Whether he did that to protect his left flank or not, again, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Um, um, uh, They're doing it. And and so I think it's coming around very slowly in the Democratic Party. There's still a lot of conservative Democrats who aren't with the program yet, or they're just scared of cannabis. They haven't figured it out. They don't know how to do it on a public policy level. And they're not... (laughs) super smart public policy creators in the first place. And this is yeah. a really complex thing to develop the right public policy around. It's really, really hard after a hundred years of prohibition and lies and yeah. superstition. Yeah. It's hard. So well, they're I wrestling got-
0: with it here in Florida. I mean, and Florida's red. <clears throat> so we have medical, the prisoners get their right to vote back. You know, we even did fifteen dollar minimum wage down here in Florida. So I think there's some on the other side to like people are waking up to yeah the cannabis thing but i would i would like to see biden and harris take more you know definitive leadership considering the harm that they did
4: yeah i don't in see I, you know? I don't see them taking definitive le- leadership yeah, on man. this issue i do see us pushing and prodding them to to do it i'm uh they, they the democrats have to win the midterms or they're going to get crushed mm-hmm. In yeah. uh, 2024, in all sorts of ways. So, um, and our issue is a winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is winner,
0: uh, man, for, uh, sure. for
4: for those midterms. So they have to be smart. They have to be smart, and they have to get people like you and me out in the polls on an off-year election, really hard to do. And and the way that you do that is you 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 pass cannabis reform right before that election. Uh, and you get people out and, and, and you deliver something to people like me. You deliver something, even if it's just something like safe banking reform. Maybe we don't even get more act or decrim or any of that. Even if you just pass that, you get a lot of cannabis people out to the polls. If you pass something more ambitious, or you just by executive order, Biden and Harris can. Take cannabis right off the. I know. They have the power to do that. <laughs> they have the power to do that. They absolutely, do man. And um, so, will it they? Shouldn't be schedule one. Yeah, I don't. I, I, it shouldn't be on the schedule at all, right? It should be completely removed. That that yeah. that would take the handcuffs off all of us in more than one way, right? So, um, uh, so we'll see what happens. I I I, I continue to voice hope that. We can pressure Biden and Harris to to do the right thing. And as those midterm elections get closer, and as they perhaps have not been able to deliver on other parts of their agenda, then maybe we'll have an opening. That's my hope.
3: Now, you know, this isn't a Western movie when, you know, you, you know, the sheriff walks up and takes the big key and unlocks the door and goes, all right, you're free to go. And they give you your, you know, holster back and you hop on your horse and ride into the night. Like, what's actually getting out of jail look like from like a soup to nuts? Like, if it happens in your state, like, what's the process at this point? Like, do they, are prisoners like, is it just a whole bunch of paperwork and red tape? And they're sitting there waiting for their you know door to be opened
4: well there's something called retroactive expungement and retroactive release which we've been trying to which a lot of people have been advocating for um including last prisoner project and that basically says when you legalize everybody's records is expunged and everybody's out of prison the next day we haven't been able to get that included in any of the frameworks at the state level And so there's different frameworks in every state. Some states, when they legalize, they include expungement in there. Very few, if any, uh, include release. So if you're already convicted and you've exhausted all your appeals, the only way you can get out is an act of clemency from a governor or the president. And that's the only way that's a mountain of paperwork and a lot of lawyers involved to fill out all the clemency applications and all the different letters of support. That's when I go
3: bananas. And if yeah. I'm in, if I'm in the cell and they go, Hey, the thing that you're, it's no longer illegal in this state, but sit tight while we dot eyes and cross T's. Yeah. And no, I just watch I, the sun go up and down in my window. Forget about it.
4: Yes. And you probably don't even have a window. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's our, our former prisoners who are out now tell the story of sitting in the prison, watching TV with the other inmates and something comes on about legalization and it just crushes them. Right. It just,
0: so let me ask you this. You, you said you could get your record expunged, but not, not be released. Well, so you can have your record expunged and still be sitting in no, jail? No, no, you don't get okay. your
4: record expunged until you're released, right? Okay, um, okay. That's right. And, and and so the first step is getting people out. The second step is, is getting expungement. Now, for example, Richard DeLisi was the longest serving nonviolent cannabis prisoner in Florida, actually. And we got him out a few months ago, but he is under supervised release. So he didn't get he didn't get expungement yet. He's he's under yeah. supervised release of, of some kind or another. A lot of our prisoners that we've gotten out are on some kind of supervised release. Um particularly the ones that we were able to release during COVID, They're most of them are doing home confinement, you know, or some yeah. of them are doing home. But
0: they're glad to be out though. Jeez. Yeah,
4: home confinement. Man. Wait, I mean look we I mean that was, confined to our That was the part. pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you know, you, you get a little cabin fever and a little stir crazy, but you're at home.
3: Yeah, you and, got uh, Netflix and you got Hot yeah, Pockets. You're and, at yeah, home, yeah, you're fine. man.
4: And, 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 and so really, um, for all nonviolent crimes, uh, uh, given the technology that's available, shouldn't all of those folks do yeah. any time they need to do at home?
3: Well, the thing that completely blows my mind is when you talk about three strikes, you're out life in prison for a nonviolent crime. And then you There's see people who have like a involuntary manslaughter or like a whatever they plead down to pedophiles and they get like 30 I mean, years. On, yeah, man. totally. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. and all the way to the extreme of. Yeah, right. And it's <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. Let me ask you this. Which states are doing the best
0: or localities, even if it's not?
4: State uh, state. Well, uh, Colorado is, is, has done a pretty good job. New Mexico's new law, I think, has um, a blanket expungement in it. So they wow. learn they they learn some of the bitter lessons from from other places. They also have a brilliant progressive governor over there um, that that knows how to govern, um, which sometimes progressives don't know how to do so good. But um, she and does, who is that? Oh, I her name. Uh, uh, I'll I, look. We'll look it up. Uh, I forget her name, but um, um, she's actually a, a Latina woman, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and she was on the shortlist for Biden Biden's VP. But I'm really glad she didn't get chosen because now we have a wonderful legalization framework in New Mexico, one of the best. Hmm. New Mexico, New York, two really good frameworks. So. I think New York has some expungement also, if I recall correctly. And and so all the new states generally are activists, are people from Last Prisoner Project, and a whole bunch of other groups, cage-free cannabis. I mean, I could go on and on. There's, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, a, a bunch of groups, and everybody's lobbying, and everybody is educating lawmakers. And so every time we pass a framework somewhere, we do better with expungement. We don't do so good with automatic retroactive release um, because yeah. the politicians think that's a lot more risky for them, and um, and it's all that Willie Horton BS is still. Oh about. boy,
0: that old one.
4: That that thing is <laughs> in the minds of those people. That's why they won't let our people out of prison, and that, that's yeah. why they won't do blanket release. It's the, it's that yeah. is why that stupidity, that racist Willie Horton ad. That, yeah. um, is that was old. Lee
0: Atwater, the old yeah, and, Southern strategy.
4: Yeah. And, and, and you know, yeah. it, it has been devastating, devastating in the minds of politicians. And it's really, really.
0: Oh, it's worked on my mind, too. Like, you know, today, even though it won't be by the time this airs, is International Microdose Day in honor of Dr. Fatiman's birthday. And one of our heroes, Paul Stamets, who we had on the podcast, posted about it. And we reposted it on Instagram. And I felt extremely hesitant. And I told Mike, I was like, that 50 years of propaganda, I call it the drug war conspiracy, because that's what it was. Right? Yep. Still worked on my mind. Yeah. Even though it's all out, you know, now forbes and everything else is talking about the revolution yeah and still i was like very inhibited about posting because i was like well what are the my kids friends parents thinking i'm just like oh, you're the bass player for dead and company <laughs> like you know <laughs> duh you know but it's still all that programming and propaganda and all that crap it still works on me yeah and i have yep, to yep. just fight through that you know and so i i get it like if one prisoner who's been in for 30 years or whatever, and has been twisted by the system and does something violent, they will hold that guy up.
3: Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. Exactly. As,
0: this is why we shouldn't have done it. You know? Yeah. That's
3: when you it's get, like, you see, you see, this is why. Yeah. yeah and that's it's like, that's... let him do
0: a uh, mushroom therapy and he probably won't do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you
3: know? exactly. That, I mean, it, yeah. It, it, it's... Bring right. Mushrooms it, into the jail and watch how fast things change.
4: Right. Well, maybe we'll get there someday. Um, He's like, sounds good. Maybe we'll get there someday and, and, and let's dose the guards too, because they probably get uh, more than the prisoners do. Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: uh, by the way, that governor's name is Michelle Grisham. Yes, Michelle, Michelle Grisham. Lujan, which I guess is uh, the Latina part Yes, um, that we can discern. Yeah. yeah so thank you, Michelle. Yes, yeah, yeah,
4: great that's job awesome, in New Mexico and all the activists there did a great job. There was there was a real struggle and, and they had to really activate the community because there was, you know, New Mexico has some conservative lawmakers in there and they were trying to derail it or water it down or make it not as friendly to the small business. And and she resisted all that. And the activists made the right arguments. And the framework is really excellent there for It's a level, much more level playing field. And if if you want to start a small little dispensary or a small micro cannabis business in New Mexico, you can do it and you can probably make it if you've got the skills. So that's Mm. not the case in California. That's not the case in Illinois. That's not the case in Massachusetts. And so um, we're making progress every time. People learn from these bitter bitter mistakes that that frankly we made in California. We 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 cut a terrible deal with the devil to to get Prop 64 on the ballot. And uh, <clears throat> we listened to a bunch of people who told us that if we didn't make those compromises, we couldn't win. And those compromises have really bit us in the rear end. And and now we can't get <laughs> reform passed in Sacramento with one party rule and a democratic governor who's in trouble so um hopefully you know as we get closer to the end of the legislative session we'll, we'll get some reform in california a lot of people i'm not working on that anymore i gave up on sacramento i'm i'm now just i'm just writing articles and you know uh, uh throwing bombs from the gallery
2: <laughs> um but uh, uh
4: sometimes that's more effective and i think that role might be more effective than me i was in the corridors of sacramento talking to these folks and everyone was very nice but um you know when it came time to vote we didn't get the vote
3: thanks for listening we'll be right back after this
1: hey there osiris listeners i wanted to tell you about our friends over at smart For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. Thanks
0: for listening. What takes all the parts. What you're doing is definitely necessary because the one thing I hear in my kind of despair at the current political situation is like, you know, all these things seemed insurmountable until that one day that they weren't. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was women's right to vote civil rights, all these different things. And we watched it happen with gay marriage. Like one day we woke up and it was legal everywhere, yep. period.
4: Yep. And remember, yeah. that was just one vote at the Supreme Court that that, <clears throat> that created that freedom for the LGBTQ
0: yeah. plus
4: community, you know?
0: So you got to keep throwing
4: those bombs, brother. Cool. Like, yes, <laughs> do it. And <laughs> you know, like what no. we
3: talked what we talked about earlier too, Othiel, it's like, you know, Andrew, one of the things is that you get these people one-on-one and they go, you know, I don't really care about weed or, you know, I don't really care about gay marriage. It's just, I got to kind of play along. And, you know, all these decision makers and these people in the ivory tower that, you know, they're probably smoking (laughs) or they're probably doing whatever, you know, and then they just have to play along and play the game. Like, is it going to take the, them seeing how much money can be made in order to like outwardly change their tune?
4: Well, greed is a big driver of motivation in our culture and our society. So, yeah, we're going to leverage greed to create as much reform as we can. Cannabis is a product and it, it gets traded and it mm. complicates things politically. Gay marriage is not a transaction. It's right a, a compact between uh, two people. If, if, if Now there's plenty of money to be made in the world of gay marriages. Um, right. But, but, you know... But but the thing itself is not a transactional event, whereas mm. in cannabis, you can't really put it in your body without a transactional event happening beforehand. And that muddies the waters. Hopefully, we're leveraging greed in such a way that, you know, the suits are coming in and are going to, I hope, work with us in a good way. I hope build bridges. I hope we can divide the kingdom and not, you know, have to fight a mutual war of of, of destruction, but yeah. um, but 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 we need the suits because we need to get cannabis in every body and belly and building on Earth. Stoners can't do that by themselves. So yeah. we we and you know when you just think about hempcrete and replacing concrete, if we just did that, you, you're talking about a huge amount of emissions uh, that are, is going to be saved by just using hempcrete and, instead of concrete. Not to mention all the carbon that will be sequestered by growing that hemp. Hemp Crete is just yeah. gro- ground up hemp stock <clears> throat> and throat> lime and water. That's all yeah. it is. Sandstone.
3: <laughs> and that's money into the agriculture. That's money into farming. That's money into, yeah.
4: It's, yeah, it's, so, so I mean, that's where I wanted to see the suits play, man. Go get hemp particle board. Go get hemp go go, replace, go go replace timber with cannabis, right? Space age or car parts. or you can put cannabis in in, in your cell phone because it conducts heat and, uh, really well, and mm. it's just such a miracle plant. There's so many things you can do with it. Everything I'm wearing, everything around me, my glasses, everything, <laughs> um, um, can be can be made out of cannabis. I thought and it's but- so
0: hard for the conspiracy theorist in me. To not believe that they know that and that's why it's illegal, you know, <laughs> even though I, on behalf of me, it says it's, you know, obviously not that simple. Well, but there, there part are, of to is like,
4: you know, got to control <laughs> it. There are two schools of thought <laughs> on why cannabis was made illegal. I'm in the school of thought that it was racism. Uh, yeah. But but there is a school of thought that says it was a conspiracy to suppress industrial hemp to protect timber and cotton and and chemical companies like DuPont and the Hearst Corporation, which owned a lot of timber because they made newsprint from it um, and magazine yeah. print from it. Um, there there there's a thought that that perhaps they were orchestrating the conspiracy. My study of history and my brother's study of history indicates that it was a war against black and brown people perpetrated by Harry Anslinger because he needed a job yeah. to do after alcohol prohibition ended. So the collateral damage that occurred from that in the hemp industry was very convenient for the DuPonts of the world. And yeah. I, I, I'm sure that they stepped on that leverage as, as much as they could um, in in the moment in, in, in suppressing the hemp industry, because there is some evidence to suggest that industry was suppressed and that industry was a threat. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just hemp. There, there was something called the Chemergy movement. I'm, I'm pronouncing it wrong, but it's basically uh, a movement that says all of the raw materials we need for energy uh, can come from plants. And we don't yeah. have to extract coal and we don't have to extract mm-hmm. oil and we don't have to burn carbon we can we can do it with plants and that movement never got traction unfortunately <laughs> yeah that, that movement did not get traction it's sort collateral of collateral damage yeah collateral damage <laughs> again and, and 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 of course the resurgence of organic agriculture in the sixties with the hippies and and other folks and really even going back to the end of slavery and 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 and, and sharecropping and, and and black farmers and 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 those folks, you know, um, they were working with plants, <laughs> and they were they, yeah. they 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 had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. If we if we had gone in the direction of chimerji you know, farmers would be controlling the the supply chain for for energy, and and they would probably be <laughs> a pretty wealthy um, uh, class of people, and so that didn't happen but but it's starting to come back now uh, not just organic farming but something called regenerative farming um, is happening now and and regenerative farming takes organic farming to a whole nother level and i I've, I've visited a few of these regenerative farms and they're just incredible places i mean every single one of them just you walk onto the land and you walk onto the farm and there's cannabis plants growing next to all these other vegetables and they're all planted together and there's polyculture happening all around you. And all those other plants are taking the bugs that would go to the weed and, and the pathogen and they all work together in this harmonious. And, and then you smoke the weed and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is <laughs> really good weed. You can taste
3: I Bet The food's
0: good too. <laughs> and, the- well, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: and the bees and the bees love the bud. Right.
4: The, well, bees um, bees like pollen and 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 they like nectar. Cannabis doesn't produce nectar, but all these plants around the cannabis produce nectar. Yeah, and the bees um, help pollinate uh, uh, um, plant those plants, and they, they they get a little bit of. They also enjoy, you know, cannabis too. I'm, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure why they enjoy because there's no nectar in there, but um, the, we find that bee bee beehives tend to have larger and more robust populations if they fly around cannabis fields. So we're we're science is still trying to figure out why that is. I'm, I, 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 <laughs> I like those
3: videos when you see a thousand bees on a big bushy green plant. <laughs> yeah, the
4: bees are in trouble, so I I I, I hope we can help save them. Seems like Canada
0: mushrooms are Canada has
3: too. been um <clears throat> Canada's been a very nice uh like do you, it seems to me from what I've, and I'm, I know a 10th of what you do, a hundredth of what you do about this, but I, everything I see, it seems like Canada has been a really like uh good beacon of information and like what to follow as it relates to like large scale production and distribution.
4: Yeah, I think the Canadians are obviously they're ahead of us because they have federal legalization, but they also had terrible problems with their framework. So that local people banned dispensaries and mm-hmm. you had all kind you, you couldn't you can't advertise cannabis you can't have a cannabis leaf anywhere everything has to be put in these very clinical packaging they capsules they, they've had a hard time with either underproduction or overproduction in in the legal supply chain but they are growing a ton of weed up there they're learning how to do it more efficiently and they're exporting it all over the world. It sure would be nice if we could do that here. Um, we can't until the feds legalize, and, and Mexico's I think going to legalize this year, and and so if that happens, we will have we will be bookended by federal federal legalization um, on all of our borders, and and yet we 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 won't have it here, and and that that's going to hurt American workers and American entrepreneurs and American business because the Mexicans and the Canadians will take the international market share before mm-hmm. we even get on the field. You know,
0: I mean, you know, oh, man. Hmm. it's frustrating. Well,
4: one thing I
3: think too, about what I was kind of, when you were just talking, I was thinking about knowing your rights on a state level, right? So if you know how to keep yourself out of jail, the best you possibly can, of course, Um, Are there resources for, you know, cannabis users state by state to know currently this is the laws in your area? Um, It's decriminalized to carry X amount and this much and that much. And I I, I think I've seen a lot of like people get arrested when they genuinely shouldn't have based on the amount that they're carrying.
4: Well, right. So so sometimes police officers arrest you anyway right right despite what the law might say and that, that their attitude is ah, let the judge figure it out yeah if so, you don't know
0: right then you can find that stuff on normal
4: yes if they you can, had a uh, normal marijuana mm-hmm. policy project um uh what's the Probably drug policy alliance drug policy that alliance that all, every, every all, and every state has their own activist groups that also uh list, these things uh, Google, if whatever state you, you live in, Google's your friend and you, you'll, you'll know your, your rights and, and what you're able to do with cannabis pretty quick on, on a Google search, wherever you live. It is really important to know your rights and to understand it that uh, and, 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 and never consent to a search of your vehicle or home <laughs> ever. <laughs> and, never. and and never talk to the police when they interview you. Um, right. the only There's a one word answer, lawyer.
0: Yeah, I couldn't believe when I found I was actually playing a festival and my band, we had this old church bus that we had converted. We pulled in, actually it might've been before that. Might've been the old airport shuttle. We pulled in this festival and I noticed the police had their own vending table. And so I told all the guys, that, you know, I walked around just to see the vendors, actually see what was out there. And um, I saw the police had something. And so I went right back to, the, to our vehicle and said, guys, away with the pot. The police have their own like table vending out here. So I went back up and talked to them. And it was a organization called LEAP which is yes. Law in- law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Yeah. So they gave me this pamphlet. They said, you should really read this because you don't know your rights. And they told me, like, did you know that they can never search you unless you give them consent? I was like, what do you mean? They said, if an officer wants to search your car, you need to lock the car and put the keys in your pocket and respectfully say, I'm sorry, officer. You know, I can't give you permission to search my car. And that's it period He said, if they do search you anyway, then your case is going to get thrown out when it goes to court because they did it without your consent Wow but if you say okay, that's it. if you give them yeah. the keys, you gave them consent right so I've made everybody in the band read these pamphlets. I was like, you know I didn't even know this, and you would see cops. You just give it to the bus cops. driver. Yeah, you see people like, well, you know, I'm gonna have to search your car and they're drunk, and then they find a roach and sure. I'm like, no, no, you know.
4: Yeah. yeah this was like
0: ten well, 15 years I'm... ago. I was like, Wow. Yeah, yeah,
4: great organization leap. I think they've recently changed their name, but but great organization, they do a lot of good work and last and all ex cops, yeah. ex uh prosecutors,
0: ex yeah. you know, all the people that were locking people up that thought it was ridiculous they were like it was not good
4: right and some it of them are the in the cannabis industry too and uh, i bet they are now yeah. hell yeah it's
3: because they know so much about it too
4: well <laughs> and and just getting a license and so forth That it's helpful to have law enforcement or legal experience you know ah uh,
0: that's right
3: That's right. Yeah, because, you know, I remember when it was going medical here in the Northeast and I had some friends in, I think, Massachusetts and Connecticut who were hoping to get on the, you know, it's kind of like a, I don't want to say it's like a sweepstakes, but it's like a waiting list and it's a mile long. And there's a lot of, you know, things you need to check off to make sure that you can, you know, apply for opening a dispensary.
4: Oh yeah.
3: And there's a ton of cash, ton of insurance, I think a pharmacist on your team, right? Like enough legal counsel to like, you know, take on a whole state if you have to and build to it, lock out the little guy. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Is it getting easier,
4: do you see? Um, well, New York is the this the first state in the northeast where I think it's gonna get easier. And I think the program in New York if we execute it in a good way, I mean the devil's in the details, they haven't released all the rules and fine print in New York yet, but the basic framework's really good. And if if that basic goodness falls down to the actual rulemaking and, and policy making stage, which a lot of us are working on, then New York's gonna put a lot of pressure on places like Massachusetts to, to lower the barriers of entry. Massachusetts mm-hmm. is like California on steroids i mean it's it's the the i i I have clients there so i'm learning about massachusetts a lot more and also harborside tried to go into massachusetts in 2012 and we got run out of town we tried to go into boston and 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 the boston globe brought up my brother's felony conviction and they said you know they persecuted us in the press and they said we're weed bosses and you know they basically <laughs> and-
3: that sounds like a show on uh on e yeah.
0: like you kill people and stuff you know yeah. like your el chapo
4: and, and so they took at first they gave us a license then they took it away after um the new oh, wow. after all the news stories broke so we're like well F Massachusetts, we'll go back to California (laughs) um, because at that time California was still medical and the framework was good, right? So we're like, all right, we'll lick our wounds. It wasn't time for us to expand. Uh, Yeah. And again, that felony conviction, just a ball and chain on my brothers coming back. Yeah, Yeah. and now in Massachusetts, (laughs) if you have a felony conviction, it's an advantage. (laughs) So. so um, it's so it has gotten better with respect to that in, in in Massachusetts, but Massachusetts is still just the stigma that the local yeah. people have and the neighbors and you know if you well, it, yeah. I mean if you build a grow in Massachusetts and a neighbor two miles away says that they smell weed because of your grow you got to oh. give them like fifty thousand dollars yeah go away.
3: See, that's the weird thing about like heavily populated but small geographic areas like the Northeast is that you could drive through a town like East Hampton Mass or Northampton Mass, which is like their boulder or whatever, you know, yeah. or or and and it's cool and it's a college town and everything's fine. But then you go, like you said, you know, you take a left down a rural route and you're in a whole other ball game, you know? Yeah. That's why New York as a state. Is a great litmus test, I think, for the country because it's got everything. You've got the biggest city in the world where you can see how it, you know, if it's turning into like shops are on every corner, like vape shops are now up into like extremely impoverished rural communities. So you have like the entire you know, and very wealthy like Westchester type stuff. So you kind of have like the whole microcosm of of the American society right in one state.
4: Yeah, that's why I don't like giving the locals control to the ban, which most Mm. states do. I I really don't like that. I I think that the state needs to... You you weren't able to opt out of prohibition at the local level. Mm. Uh, You shouldn't be allowed to, uh, you know, opt out of legalization either. So it's okay if local people want to limit the number of licenses or whatever, you know, but not ban it. Yeah. If we could just, unfortunately, I think New York allows the local people to ban it. I don't think any of the five boroughs will ban it. <laughs> um, yeah. But you might have, or Albany's not going to ban it. But you might have—I yeah. don't know. There might be some conservative pockets in New York to ban it. Um, but I do think it's a big litmus lit test for the country because it's a much different framework from California. We know what's happened out here, and if New York succeeds much better than California has everybody's going to freak out uh, in California and the rest of the country. It's just going to be like, oh my goodness, we're not the cannabis capital of the world anymore. New York is, we better get our caca together and, you know, make make our framework, improve our framework. So that's the hope. That's the dream uh, of New York and legalization there.
0: Well, Uh, I know you've had, it seems like an uphill battle, but can you tell us, like a really great, inspiring, last prisoner yeah. story that where you had a great success getting somebody.
4: Well, free. yeah, I, mean, I, I mentioned, well, our biggest success probably is Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson was a three strikes cannabis victim in Michigan, black man. I think he was, sir, he had put in 29 years. In prison for, I don't know, a couple, I think it was three, three, three pounds of weed, or you know, a relatively small amount of weed. And and it was his third strike. And they, of course, when they busted in the field, he got busted in the field with a load or with his weed out in in a car, a parking lot, or a boat, or something like that. I think he was bringing a little bit of weed in from Canada, if I recall correctly. But in any case, they go, they bust you and then they go search your house, right, is, is what they do, because they busted you and now they have probable cause to search your house. So they search your house and they, in the case of Michael, he had an antique gun that was a collector's item and they put a gun charge on top of the oh, cannabis charge and, the, and he was, it was life in prison. And he was our first constituent that was serving a life term that, that we were really able to invest a lot of our limited resources in. He, we did a lot of work telling his story to the world. We gathered a lot of energy from Michigan and the activists there, 20,000 people signed a petition to the governor to, to grant him clemency. And then our lawyers and team worked on the clemency petitions, got them all organized and ready to go. The governor Gretchen Whitmer at that time was the election hadn't happened yet. It was like September, August, September, and the election was coming up and she was considered, she was on the shortlist for VP. So she wouldn't release him yes. until after ah. the election. And once the election was over we were able to get that clemency petition signed by the governor and she was reluctant. It was only until we flipped the prosecutor. So the prosecutor who was in the same office that convicted Michael Thompson um, came out for his clemency and for his freedom. Once once that happened, then the governor felt like she had some cover and, you know, yeah. if anything goes wrong and Michael does something bad, she can blame the prosecutor. <laughs> um, and um, now Michael is the most gentle man in the whole world. And yeah. and he's now an activist and, and 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 reentering into society. He just had, I think, it was a, a hip surgery or it might have been a knee surgery, because when you're in prison, your knees and your joints um, get yeah. destroyed, <laughs> basically so and he's grateful to be out he has a very full life he's eating all of his favorite foods um sean king did a fundraiser for him oh wow yes and bought him a house that was yeah i mean he did a fundraiser man and that guy's amazing and 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 he um and and he raised enough money i think it was six hours it took for for, oh. and, and then they, they six there. hours <laughs> yeah and wow they, and that's how much people care that's about fantastic my you know, yeah that the story cool. and 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 when we put the prisoners as the story not me not yes. my brother not LPP, yeah. not our leaders yeah. our job is not to be the story our job is to yeah. put the camera on them and help them tell the story so right. that's that was the that, that, and his story was just, it was so compelling, and people felt so bad for him that the community, the people, came to his rescue, and now he has a new car, he has a new house, he's, he's you know, I think he might even start working again a little bit, and, um, you know, when you're in prison, you don't get your social security benefits or anything like that, so he doesn't have any retirement funds available to him. Um, wow. so. Yeah. Uh, but but his life is so much better now um, than it was when he was locked up for 32 years, and and, and that was that was our first big big su- success story. Then, a few months later, a couple months later, we got Richard Felicia out. I mentioned a moment ago, and then in January, at, <laughs> believe it or not, the Trump administration uh, released 12 long term. Cannabis prisoners, uh, yeah. of his last acts of of clemency, and so all credit where credit is due. Yeah, um, that right. that was a pretty remarkable thing. <laughs> yeah. it, it, our team was like on the phone with Ivanka Trump's team and. That, those were, those were interesting. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like did somebody dose me? That <laughs> you know, was your day today,
3: honey. Oh, you yeah. never even
4: guess who I talked to. Now I'm not sure we actually <laughs> talked to the woman herself. I, it might've just been, the, but, but, and I was not part of any of those conversations. Our ex- executive director, you, you don't want me in that room. You, you, you got to have other people in that room that, 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 you know, a lot are, of are, are a little bit less, active than I am, a little less passionate than I am, and, and can just, you know, focus on the task at hand. But that that was sort of a surprising and mm. but wonderful act of clemency. Now, we've launched a campaign called the Clemency Project, I think, and that is putting pressure on Biden and Harris to do better than Trump did.
0: That's and, what I well, want to get help out with. <sighs> You know, and so that's on our
4: website too. And I think we have a link and a separate website uh, to that. So so we're trying to gather all the social justice activists and community together behind this effort to say, Hey, look, you gotta do better than Trump. Come on.
0: Yeah. And
4: Mm. and so we'll see what happens. it's again, this is something that if you time it right and you did a, a very large action. Where you're not releasing a dozen people, but maybe thousands. a hundred, yeah, a thousand, <laughs> a thousand. I like a thousand. A thousand yeah. You know, then you've got a very nice news cycle yeah. for going into the midterms. Now, right. I want them to do it tomorrow, not wait for the midterms, of course. Uh, but again, but time it, yeah, you know, whenever it. it, it, it it's, it's 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 so so that's a, a campaign we have going right now, and and we'll see. We'll see how all of that goes. You know, Biden, Harris, as we mentioned, don't have the greatest history with this issue. So it's just a matter of applying the pressure and articulating the political advantage to them by embracing this rather than being afraid of it.
0: I like what you said about personalizing it. Like this guy's story Mm. really drove it. Maybe we could help out with that. It comes a time, like find uh, a specific person's story. Like, hey, you know, whoever's listening, this is happening in your state. This guy here, this lady, Mm. listen to this story. This is terrible. What can we do? You know, like like put a face on it because when you have – when there's no face – then it can revert back to that Willie Horton thing. Oh, it's a criminal. Oh, they're a felon. Or so it's just like you get put in this bad person category, which if you don't know the story of what happened, right.
3: Maybe like, Oh my God, this is terrible. It's far too easy to (laughs) ignore it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, we'll be happy to share our, our, our constituents that we're telling stories on and, and connect you with all that. That, that would be wonderful. You know, you, you, the, the, there's also there's a lot of the music you play that speaks to some of these issues. You know what I'm saying, and yeah. and, um, and whenever I hear those songs that you play, and and that I've heard the musicians from the last four decades, five decades of my musical listening life, it, it, it's played an incredibly important role. You know, going all the way back to the jazz age and cab calloway and reefer man and and um, you know louie armstrong's love for cannabis and mez mezra and all those cats that's where it started that's where it all started and 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 then you go to the the hip-hop and the rap artists and and, and cypress hill and those folks pioneering cannabis music coming out of the reagan era you know yeah yeah, totally and then you had tipper gore like trying to censor everybody you know and all of that happening um and so the 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 stories of our people have been told in music and it's one of the the things that has inspired people like me to do this work it's really hard work and it's it's thankless work and so when we when i need to recharge my batteries you know i play those songs i'm watching this cool documentary called 1971 i don't know if you've heard of that but it's mm-hmm. i forget which platform it's on maybe amazon it's a british documentary but it's all about 1971 all this music that happened in america and england that was speaking to the change and so you had carol king um, yeah. singing to feminists and you had jill scott heron and um, Marvin Gaye, Scott, yeah. you know, talking to the Black Liberation Movement, and then the Grateful Dead and the Jefferson Airplane and Marley, and Marley, and, yeah. and all of that revolutionary music in that time, you know, coming out of the '60s and 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 Vietnam still going strong in 1971, and, and yep. that documentary is a, is is really reminded me how music has played just a central role in the conversation between activists and society, right? Yeah. So there's a soundtrack that yeah, activists man. have. Yeah. You know, we have a soundtrack now and, and 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 that soundtrack is sort of the third rail of activism. That there's there's the people, there's the activists, and then there's the music. And that's sort of the the three prong plug that we're trying to get everybody plugged in and tuned into right
0: for sure that's absolutely. a theme of our podcast tuning tuning into we're the right frequency with that's the universe right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> cannabis and mushrooms and these things help us get back in tune man so absolutely yeah. you're
3: doing we great work that. man thank you really awesome you to to learn from you and uh, for, for people who are listening, where can, or uh, watching um, on their regional levels, like what could they do to help?
4: Uh, well, lastprisonerproject.org, if you want to support Last Prisoner Project, we have all kinds of different ways you can plug in. Don't have to give us money. We have a program where you can write letter to prisoners and it's completely free. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. There's nothing like being a pen pal with a prisoner. It's, it's, it's yeah, really- I think
3: I'm going to do that. It's i'd like, like to do that for they, sure
4: i i have got a couple going and it's, it's really quite rewarding and if you want to plug into what's happening with legalization in your state you know check out mpp and normal and asa uh, uh, americans for safe access and, and 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 all the other activist groups in your community in your state google's your friend you'll find them if you want to learn more about me uh, or my brother andrewdangelo.com stevedangelo.com we're all over social media linkedin all of that and i'm, I'm pretty easy to reach so uh, please reach out and, and plug in right absolutely
0: bless you man bless yeah,
4: thanks you.
3: so much for joining us man
4: well thank you it's been it's been a, a real joy to to talk to one of my models and role models uh and 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 talk a little bit about the music and activism
3: that's my pleasure man you know i do it for
4: you so (laughs) 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 yeah mike there you go there's the stand up there's the stand up Uh, yeah i still got it There's the stand-up closure, bro. <laughs> <laughs> bro. That's a good note okay.
0: Well, it's <laughs> funny, though, because when you were talking about the music, I was thinking about Lenny Bruce. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. That whole – because there is a, there is that component, too. Another pioneer, right? Lenny yeah. Bruce. Wow. Yeah. Cheech and Chong.
3: Man. I mean, there's been so much. Yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. People, like, you know, always fighting that fight and, mm-hmm. and trying to keep us inspired, man. That's what, it, you know – when you're at war with evil, you're <laughs> you need right. to stay inspired. Totally. <laughs> so, well, uh, thank you for being a huge part of that, man.
4: Well, thank you, and I'll, <laughs> I'll be I'll be attending some of the shows on your tour this summer, and uh, looking forward to uh, you know uh, the the music once again.
0: Oh so. man, we're ready, brother. Well, bless you. <laughs> Thanks everyone
3: for listening. Thank you.